Welcome in to the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this Friday, April 14th edition of the show. And uh, we're going to talk spring football because, hey, we just came from practice yesterday, Thursday. Um, they, they will hold their first scrimmage on Saturday. We get Dan Lanning Saturday afternoon. After that scrimmage, we'll learn a lot about his first impressions of that scrimmage. We probably won't learn that much because Dan's always, oh, I got a review. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, Thursday, we got the first opportunity to see not only 11 offensive players or 11 defensive players on the field at one time during practice this spring, guys. We saw them together Ooh. on the field, 11 on 11. Uh, very insightful. <laughs> a peek into just kind of what spring football is like for both sides of the football when they went 11 on 11 and they went we're not going to call them first team second team third team because we've been told guys these are just groups uh i think it was like green team yellow team white team yeah but three <clears throat> different groups went out there we can take our assumptions we can take that information how we want to digest it i think all three of us are in agreement there's pretty telling groupings out there. Fastball's back uh, is, 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 is what that means. So fastball is the 11-11 period that Matt's referring to. The aim being basically to get as many plays in as possible. Like the goal is to get everyone lined up as quick as possible. That's like the aim of this fastball period. Uh, that's not to say they're trying to like, not trying to succeed, but they're just, you know, with the play. But the, uh, you know, the goal is basically just get everybody lined up as quick as possible and practice that. So, um, Five, five different plays for each of the groups we can get into if we want to at some point, like some of what we actually saw. But I think that's probably less interesting to me than in terms of what the – like I guess we kind of have a sort of a hierarchy of a two deep, if you will. I know, as Matt said, um, this is being described as just random groups. <clears throat> I think that's probably not totally accurate, but at the same 100%. time – And, and I, what I wanted to start by doing is like, this is the first fastball of spring. And I went and looked at the first fastball of last spring and you get a sense of like, this is just kind of a snapshot of where things are. And the, like, this couldn't, this might not mean a ton come fall. Like it is just kind of the way I wanted to start. And I think that's probably pretty obvious, but just like, I thought it was fun looking back at a year ago, like last year's first day of fastball, which happens to be day seven of spring. So maybe, maybe we're onto something here, guys. Maybe we just block that away for next year. Seventh day, we're going to get our fastball. Uh, but a year ago, like Byron Cardwell was the first team running back. Um, Stephen Jones was at left tackle. TJ Bass was at right guard. Suava Poti, who never played a snap last year, was one of the first team interior defensive linemen. Um, uh, what else do we have here? Oh, uh, the, the starting safeties were Brian Addison and Triquez Bridges, who never started a game at safety last year. So I, I read all this not to discount what we're about to share, but just to prove that, like, this is just kind of a snapshot in time. Like this, there's still numerous months away, obviously, until we get to to game one. Um, but what we did see, I think, on on Thursday was an idea of kind of where things are right now. So, do we want to just run through the lists, or how do we want to approach uh, kind of breaking this down, guys? I figured uh, we would break it down by team. Okay. Talk about the first team, then kind of run through that, and go second and third. Okay. So, so I'll, should I just read off the first team offense and defense, and then we can kind of have, have some reactions? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Does that work? 
Okay, uh, first team offense, what we saw, we had Bo Nix at quarterback, no shock there. Running back, Noah Whittington. Um, X receiver, Troy Franklin. Z receiver, Chris Hudson. Slot, Tess Johnson. So they're playing those guys together. Interesting. Tight end, Patrick Herbert. We should note, note uh, Terrence Ferguson was uh, absent for the part of practice we watched. We did see him leaving the facility later, so I don't think there's anything serious to worry about there. But that explains why he wasn't with the first team. And then the offensive line is kind of what we'd been projecting it might look like, which was Josh Connerly at left tackle, uh, Marcus Harper left guard, Jackson Powers Johnson center, Stephen Jones right guard, and Johnny Cornelius right tackle. Defense. Defensive line, we had Mace, and I believe he was standing, right, Jared? Mm -hmm. Casey Rogers, Taki Taimani, Brandon Dorless with the hand down. Linebacker, we had Bassa, we had Brown. Don't think that's a huge surprise. Corner, we had Triquas Bridges, and then I thought this was a little bit interesting. Julio Florence with the first group. And then safety, J.J. Greenfield, Evan Williams, and Taishim Johnson. So there's a rundown of the first team, or first offensive group. I believe it was the yellow group. And the first defensive group, which I believe was also referred to as yellow. I thought that was what he said when he got like everybody organized. Yellow, yellow. Um, so there's the groups. I know we're not calling them first teams. I, I, I think I did refer to it. So I apologize to Nate Kruger, Dan Landing, everybody at Oregon for breaking the rule of, of referring to it as a first team. This was That was team yellow. Um, Jared, what stood out most to you uh, running through all of that? I know you were kind of eyes on defense. I guess while you were watching that develop, was there – Anything that really kind of caught your eye or was it most of this expected or kind of what you thought it would look like? Well, honestly, I was surprised that we were even able to watch fastball portions because that's just kind of how practice has gone for the last year under Dan. Um, you know, thank you, Dan, for coming on the podcast. Uh, no, I don't think a lot of things caught my attention. I think we talked about this afterwards. Um, and Eric, you did a good job of going through what we saw last season in terms of the first fastball period and what spring practice looks like. You just kind of take you, you you take note of everything and you say, hmm, that's interesting. But you know, on the flip side, Jordan Birch was a guy who was was limited in, in uh, practice yesterday, so he didn't he didn't take part in the eleven on eleven portion. Uh, Kyrie Jackson was a guy we didn't see yesterday at practice, so uh, he's a guy who obviously was not going to take part in this uh, portion of 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 the practice. Um, so that's probably why you have Julio Florence as the first team cornerback. Um, Keith Brown and Jeffrey Bassa, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to who are the second and third team linebackers eventually. But uh, again, this is spring football. This is just their seventh day. So I'm not taking too much away from it. I think it's interesting. I think some of the names in this first team uh, are who I would expect to be there. Um, but there are also guys like Keith Brown, like J.J. Greenfield, like Jaleel Florence, who are guys that um, – or Mace Foody even, where – Come September second or third or whatever the first day of the season is, like I, I don't know if I would expect to see them there, but uh, it was just fun. I think overall, just to watch watch them line up and you know run a play or two, even though they weren't any good plays. <laughs> <laughs> I I I was interested that um, JPJ got the first rep at center. Um, I thought that was notable. Um, A because. He's the expected guy that I think we would all assume would be at that center position. Um, but it's not necessarily gone that way when we've seen reps with the offensive line go, you know, previous practices. And like that goes to what, you know, Eric said, um, what I said ahead of, of this is that you know, some, there's some things to take away from this and sometimes that there's not. Um, I don't think there's anything to read into Noah Winnington 
being over Bucky. I think they're that's basically one A and one B. They're both going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have any concern over that at all. I did think it was interesting that we saw Hudson and Tez on the field at the same time. We've been debating a lot, like who's going to play in the slot. And the first time we see it, they both come out on the first first offense that goes out there together on the field. Yeah, that was one of the more notable elements of this. Um, how about quarterback? We kind of skipped over that Bo Nix first team or first group. Sorry, is that that? that I mean, I, I wasn't sure. Is that shocking? I wasn't sure what we'd see there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it, it, but it, it is, by the way, refreshing not to go through a spring with some sort of competition at quarterback and just kind of know what it is, especially the last two or three years where there was a competition that really didn't feel like a competition. But I digress. Um, no, like, yeah, no, I think you're right. The receiver thing offensively was the part that probably stood out to me, just that they played both of them together. I think we mentioned before that would be a possibility. Chris had in the past played some outside receiver, um, so I'm not stunned that he's the one out there. I think Tez probably as an outside receiver at Z, especially, that would be tough for him just with his physical limitations. Not that either of them are huge people, but, you know, Tez in particular is pretty small. Um, yeah, no, I think I think we might see that group quite a bit this year during the season, theoretically, depending on what happens with Gary Bryant Jr. with Trayshawn Harris, Trayshawn Holden, and Jurgen Dickey. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think uh, I'm ready to move on unless there's anything else from the first team that, or gosh, you keep saying first team, from yellow, team first from group, group yellow. Group yellow. Is there anything else from group yellow we want to discuss or do you want to move on to, I believe it was group green was the uh, second group of teams we saw. No. Yeah, no, I'm good. We're right. bone. Ty Thompson, quarterback, running back, Bucky Irving, X receiver, Kyler Casper, Z receiver, Trayshawn Holden, slot receiver, Vaughn Reams, tight end, Kenyon Sadiq, left tackle, Feope Lalu, left guard, Dave Ayuli, center, Charlie Pickard, right guard, Kavika Rogers, right tackle, George Silva. We've gone to the defense here. Amarian Winston, kind of a, kind of cool to see a, a young player like that up with, not group, not the second team, but with green group. Uh, Keon Ware Hudson, Ben Roberts, Jake Shipley. Roberts, another young guy up there with Green Group. Linebackers, uh, Connor Sowell, Jamal Hill. That's another one probably that's kind of we can kind of discuss in a moment here. And then at corner, Dante Manning and Cole Martin and Darren Barkins were all out in the field. Um, do we have it? I don't know if we have it. Do we ever clarify who was kind of nickel, who was outside with those two, with that, with that group? No. Okay. Um, I thought not- it was Cole because we have photos of him pretty close up to the line of scrimmage in the slot, but it's just a couple photos. It would make sense. His body would make sense to be playing there just in terms of being a slot, like a traditional slot corner. So I I could, that would add up more than the other two, but um, kind of notable Cole Martin with that green group. And then uh, at safety, Steve Stevens, Brian Addison, kind of the returning almost starter group or the returners with the most experience almost at those positions from, from last year. So um, probably, Offensively, a couple things that stood out to me, but I'll go to Jared for what defensively was were the things that kind of I don't know. I I, I don't want to make it sound like oh man, this was like you know earth shattering news, but like what what were the things that as you were marking it down kind of made you go huh? Sort of interesting. Yeah, I mean when the second group went on the field, it was definitely uh, the three cornerbacks were the most interesting. Uh, you know, Oregon implemented a nickel set last season against Arizona uh, against Jacob Cowing and the Dorian Singer. They moved Christian Gonzalez inside to, to nickel as for, for nickel uh, cornerback. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that they're they're already kind of displaying that. Um, Cole Martin getting the, getting the 
the job, I guess, in this second group is interesting too, since he's the true freshman. But again, this is an early enrollee. This is a guy who's you know been around the playbook, who's been able to learn it. This is also Demetrius Martin's son. So he's a bright kid. He knows football. He understands it pretty well. Um, although he might be undersized, he's certainly uh, he's he's phys- he, physically he looks the profile, um, and he's certainly going to play you know fundamentally sound football. But uh, yeah, I think the main takeaways for me, other than the cornerbacks, were the linebacking group, Connor Sowell and Jamal Hill. Um, mm. Jamal Hill is probably a linebacker. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Everybody is has positional flexibility, positional versatility. Uh, and that you know it, it is a pure example on the second group here, the second defensive group. And so that's an interesting group. Uh, I think Connor Sowell is a bigger guy than – we originally anticipated meaning physically bigger. I don't know what his play, his role will be in terms of that being bigger or not, but physically a bigger dude. I think at Arizona state, he was much more of a tweener, much more of a kind of like a hybrid safety. What Jeffrey Bossa was in his first season where he's like, Oh, Jeffrey, you're, you're kind of a big dude here. Go play linebacker. Um, So Ella is now a guy who not only does he wear number 42, like Jackson, the Duke, but he's beginning to resemble him physically. Uh, at a linebacker position. And then, you know, Marion Winston as the edge rusher, as the guy who was standing up on the defensive line, I thought was something to take note of. But really, Anthony Jones wasn't wasn't practice or he wasn't uh, in participating in this group. So he's a guy. Anthony Jones is a guy we've heard a lot of good things about. And I would expect him to be a second team guy come their second group. Well, second team when the season come, but I would expect him to see him in the second group more often than not uh, this spring, just because of his positional versatility, just because of his skill set. Um, but yeah, and then Brian Addison and Steve Stevens at safety. I think that that makes a lot of sense, even though there are there is no hierarchy in these groups. But this one, as a second group, makes a lot of sense. Matt. Yeah, I I just there's not really anything here that that overly surprises me outside of what we talked about with the first group. Um I like the fact that the second Gary has some experience, Dante Manning, Jamal Hill, even though he's at linebacker, Steve Stevens and, and Brian Addison paired up with two young corners. Darren Barkins is a redshirt freshman or a redshirt sophomore now. Yeah. Um Cole Martin is is a true freshman. Um, Cameron Hudson, uh, Jake Shipley, very experienced guys within the program. Where Hudson, obviously more than the other ones, um, paired with two young guys, Winston and and, and Roberts. And this kind of goes in line with what um, Alik Terry, the offensive line coach. I'm, I'm talking defense here, but right. he talked about this, you know, later on that day where he was saying, "Hey, we've got some veteran guys next up, you know, right next to a guy who maybe hasn't played a snap before in, in a football game. And if he's got any kind of questions, he can lean over and they can figure it out real quick to make sure he's on, on par. I think that's reflective on both sides of the football, offensively and defensively with these second groups. There's some guys that are going to play a ton. Um, offensively, you look at Bucky Irving, you look at Treshawn Holden. Um, the offensive line maybe doesn't have many of these guys, but they're around young players. Um I think that the biggest takeaway from the offensive group is how low the numbers are right now at scholarship at receiver because it Ashton Kozart is in the third group. Uh, he's a true freshman, a wide receiver, a scholarship wide receiver. And that's, it's 
it's totally understandable that Ashton Kozar is on the third team. He's a newcomer. It, it, he's he's going to get thrown into the fire and work his way up. It's shocking that they don't have another scholarship player to put into the slot um, where Von Reams is currently at right now. It's shocking that you know Terrence Ferguson didn't practice while we were out there, so we should make that note. That's why Patrick Herbert was probably with the ones. It's probably why Kenyon Sadiq was with the twos. You know, but there's not a scholarship tight end with the third offense. Um, there's a true freshman at tight end with the second offense. There's a walk-on with one of the receivers. And one of the other receivers, Kyle Casper, hardly played last season as a true freshman uh, and redshirted the last year. It's mm-hmm. it, it That showed us how thin right now the numbers are at receiver. Yeah, and it's going to get better, right? I mean, I think that's the point that – and this is why it's just kind of a snapshot of time and time. But yeah, you look at the, the numbers at receiver, it's there's like six or yeah, there's six scholarship receivers who are available to at least be in these drills right now. So that, 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 that part's telling. Um, I kind of wanted to go back to the Jamal Hill of it all. Um, because I just think that's a really, I don't want to say it's an underrated under the radar part. Cause this is a pretty like recognizable player, but playing at a, a really significant position change at a position where they could really use some help. And, Matt, I know you asked Jamal after practice like about his weight gain, and he said what he was doing three hundred push-ups per day, something yeah. like that. He he said I, I I said okay, what's what's the what's the solution? We won't get to hear it. I don't know what the end of the story is. Shoot, Matt, cut out. I That's too, too bad. The, I, uh, we'll uh, we'll wait to hear everybody on bated breath for the uh, Jamal Hill uh, explanation. Matt will. When he comes back, we'll we'll let him finish that story. Um, but I, I just thought Jamal Hill—that's a guy who I think when, when we you know when we get to watch more because again there aren't a lot of takeaways from these 15 plays like from actual results perspectives. Like I don't think that's the part that's important. And I didn't even really get to follow how Jamal looked like in terms of playing at this position. But yeah. I think adding a player. And I'm saying adding to this position group who has the experience, that has the athleticism, who has the tackling acumen. Again, he was the highest rated PFF tackler um, on Oregon's team last year. Like, I, I just think it's pretty notable addition. And I'll be very curious to see um, how he how he kind of factors into it. All right. We missed you, you cut out right at the beginning of the Jamal. Hill. What did Jamal Hill tell you? Because I don't nobody nobody knows the, the, the story. yet. <laughs> I just joked with him because he's I mean, he tweeted out photos of this. I think yesterday or maybe this morning, um, how big he's gotten. And so I, like we've all noticed it. So I went up to him just like, all right, what's your secret? How did you do this? You know, kind of jokingly like, Hey, teach me your ways. <laughs> and his solution was basically, he just spent how many times, however time, uh, long it took for him to do this, 300 pushups a day, basically all off season. I hope it's not in one run because that would like, you're terrific doing that. That's just crazy. Um, but 300 push-ups, that takes a long time to do. I mean, I understand he probably can crank them out pretty fast, but still, even that, like, that's a, a, that's a lot of push-ups. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to ask a follow-up on that. I do want to know if he does those. Is that one set, or is he doing those in groups of 100 or groups of 50-something? I don't know, because 300 consecutive would be – that's a lot of push-ups, man. That's a, yeah. that's a that's a good number, and he is of course um, already was uh, already well put together. But you, as you said, I don't sort of love to have heights and weights. I would imagine he's probably pushing two twenty, which is impressive considering. I think what did we say he was listed at two hundred seven? I think he's, I, I think he's even. I think he would be even more. 
It could be a, even more. But I think, I mean, last year, we didn't we say he was listed at 207 or 211 I'll or something check. last year? I just I didn't want to come out and say we might be pushing 230 because I don't want to suggest he's getting 20 uh, I, He might he be. Might, he, two, he, he 212 last year. 212. Okay, so yeah, maybe it's fair to say he's pushing I mean, 225, 230. I mean, I just yeah, didn't, I, I, I didn't want to come out without knowing and say like he's gained twenty pounds. I, just I understand. That a, yeah, that was a big jump. But well, I don't think it's even game. that big of a jump because he's he's a big boy now. He's significantly bigger than he was last season. I don't. I mean, obviously, you know, we haven't really saw him or haven't really seen him be a full time linebacker uh, other than these five five drills, which most of it are us spending down or spending spent writing down who the heck is playing. So we don't really get to see that. We we do get to see the drills, but we don't really pay attention to what's going on during them. But again, a guy with his uh, pedigree as a safety, with his ability to cover, with his ability to hit, it it makes natural sense to move him to linebacker, especially with his frame. He's always been a bigger safety. He's always been around that 210 to 215 range. I'm sure he fluctuates there, um, which is, again, is a, that's bigger for a safety. He's a broad broad body as well, broad shoulders. Um but this added weight, it would not surprise me at all if he's in the 230 range, like 232 as like a max. He's big. I mean, he's significantly bigger than Jeffrey Bassa, and we've all kind of gawked about how big Jeffrey Bassa is this spring. Yeah. So, and Bassa, I don't remember what he was last season. Um, I could quickly look it up, but I'm you know just going to randomly guess he was probably in the 220s. And um, sorry, not to interrupt, but I think we looked it up, and I think they didn't we say he and Hill were pretty close, like maybe within five pounds. I don't think he was 220 last year. I want to say it was like a similar weight to Hill. I thought we looked up. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I'll quickly look it up as I'm doing this on the fly. 212. So there you go. Similar, very like the exact same weight as Jeffrey Bassa was last season. Um, and and Jamal looks significantly bigger than than Jeffrey, and yeah, that's totally no. Different. That's no, um, I don't know. That's not 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 saying it's that Jeff hasn't added weight because he clearly has, and it's no knock at Jeff. But I, I just think that Jamal is a, a much bigger frame, and I think he carries the weight better. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see where Jamal goes in terms of these groupings over the course of spring football. But uh, to see him already second team is is, is notable. Um, I'm excited to see what he looks like on the field. The only other thing on second team that I wanted to touch on was just. The offensive line, I think Matt did a good job of outlining the lack of depth at receiver right now. And I think, just to be clear, I think we all expect it to be totally fine by the time we get to fall. There's a possibility to add um, Gary Bryant Jr. We talked about that. They've got a couple of, well, they have Jaron Dickey re returning. Justice Lowe's been banged up this spring. Um, Josh Delgado's been banged up this spring. Those are two guys who would probably factor into the slot receiver position where Von Reams was with the second group. Um, so, I think they'll be fine there, but the depth on the offensive line, I thought stood out here where mm -hmm. like just the size and athleticism. And I know these guys don't have a lot of playing experience here, but the size and athletic, you know, just of, of Feope and Iuli and Kavika and Silva, like those are all clearly division one offensive line athletes, like just watching them move around. Like I think Feope quietly has been one of the bigger stories of the offseason in terms of just getting to be more athletic. Like I was watching him <clears throat> on a, I can't remember if it was Thursday or Tuesday, one of these last couple of practices, just watching him working on getting off of the snap. And he is so much more explosive and quick than he was in the past. So I'm, I'm encouraged by, by him. Um, but yeah, I just think that second group, again, none of those guys have really played here. Um, but I just think from, uh, from a depth perspective, like those are big athletic guys across the board that I think you should feel decent about. Um, and we also have to note that Junior Angelow did not, 
was not part of this. And so he'll factor into the first team, second team group in mm -hmm. some way and, and, and all that. So, um, but yeah, let's move on to the third group. Which I, had, oh, I had one more thing. Uh, Mateo did not, Mateo Uyangaleli did yeah. not participate in these 11 on 11 portions. So, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, jumping the gun here, but you will not hear his name called in the third grouping. Uh, you didn't hear his name called in the second or the first grouping, but he did not participate. And this was the same thing as it was last year during the spring where, uh, guys that we may have projected to start, may have projected to be second team, just you know didn't participate for whatever reason uh, on some of these fastball portions. So that's a guy who I neglected to mention, along with Anthony Jones, Tony Jones, as the guys who should be in that second grouping on, as an edge rusher. But just something I thought everybody should know. It's important to do that, I think. So just almost as a general practice here, if there's a player that you expected would be with like the first or second team who's not with any of the teams, that's not – most likely not because they're like really in the doghouse. It's probably because they're being protective. Like you'll notice that a lot of the, the more experienced, not a lot, but a few of the more experienced defensive linemen like Popo, who's coming off an injury, didn't take part in any of these teams. Like there are guys here who you maybe would project to be competing for starting roles that like, like a not a Mateo as a starter, but a guy who's competing for reps who just weren't out there. So I wouldn't look too deep into those. The players are, aren't involved in these groups for a variety of reasons. So I don't think it necessarily means like, and again, as we said earlier, these these groups are 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 very early snapshots, and and I wouldn't take I wouldn't be like oh man Mateo's falling behind. That's not at all what this represents. At least I don't think we think it is. All right, I mean, this real quick. This could very well be a precursor to hey, we feel like the guys that maybe didn't participate were very confident in their roles, and we want to see that play out in the spring in the scrimmage on Saturday, and maybe this is a putting you know, some guys in different groups or what have you, because we've been told these aren't first and second and third team depth charts. Right. Just seeing how they react ahead of the scrimmage together. And then it's, Hey, yeah, we like that. Let's put them in the scrimmage together. Let's do it in a live game situation like that. Mm -hmm. Could be a theory is that of why we didn't see certain guys. And Matt also notes there that Saturday will be for the first scrimmage. I think we made note of that on an earlier pod this week, but um, there will be some some scrimmage recap news on Saturday after we'll see how much and how forthcoming Dan wants to be with what actually takes place there. But uh, yeah, expect to see some scrimmage uh, information as best we can um, on Saturday afternoon sometime. All right. Third group quarterback by Austin Novosad, running back Dante Dowdell. And now we, we talk about the depth at receiver. This is where it got really, really light because you've got Darian Anderson, a walk on as the X you had Ashton Cozart who Matt mentioned earlier as the Z and then, Walk-on running back Preston Alford, we think was the slot receiver. And I only say we think because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure because it was a number 28 out there. But I only say because, hey, we have never seen this guy work at receiver. And there he was out at receiver. Um, tight end was Landon Shepard. Offensive line from left to right, Michael Wooten. Poncho Lalalu, Cannon Rossi, Ty Delgado, and Bailey Jaramillo. Third team defense, or sorry, I think this was the white defense. Johnny Bowens, Mikhail Gardner, Tavita Pame, Tatum Toyote. There's four true freshmen along the line there. Kind of fun to see those guys together. Linebacker, Justin Jacobs, Devin Jackson. Corner, Jaleel Tucker, Solomon Davis. Um, and then at safety, we had a, a couple of newcomers and Cody DeCambra, Tyler Turner, along with Kamari Terrell, who is a, a second-year player who I think most of us are pretty high on. Um, the depth here is going to be pushed and you kind of, I think the, the thing that, that shows here, and of course you have to consider injuries and as Matt, and as we just discussed, some players like a Mateo or a Popo aren't taking part here, but you do see where Oregon has more scholarship depth because on defense, 
those are all scholarship players. And um, what almost all of them are first or second year players. In fact, yeah, I think all of them with the exception of Justine Jacobs, who was what a third year player coming out of from Iowa. Um, I think, I think that's right. Third, did he play two years or fourth? Did he played three, the red shirt. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, the, but the, but the other 10 are all for you know, true freshmen, red shirt, freshmen, uh, Kamara, I guess is a sophomore, but you look at the offense there and a lot of the names I read, you probably don't know because they are walk-ons and sort of shows some of the depth there. I mentioned, um, you know, the, 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 the quality of that I thought from an athlete perspective along the offensive line, well, you get to the, the, the third team here and you've got two scholarship guys on the left side and Wooten and, um, Iapani, and then the rest of it is walk-ons. <clears throat> and then you look at the receiver situation. I think it's like, it's pretty notable. And I wouldn't be too concerned here. Cause again, there's plenty of time for this to get rectified. And as we said before, a lot of guys are dinged up and not taking part, but never great. I guess when you look out there and go, Oh, there's a couple of guys I didn't even know were playing those positions. You were out with those groups. So, um, but I'm not, I'm not like sitting here being concerned to that, to that point, really. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's concerning either. Again, it's, it's kind of goes back to my original point where it's like, what are the overall takeaways? It's like, Oh, well, it's the first time we saw everybody kind of line up in spring. So yep. there's still plenty of time to go before the season. There's still plenty of time before uh, a couple other early enroll or enrollees in general get to Oregon uh, there's still the spring transfer portal p- portion of the season, so that should be a fun, good time by had by all. Um, <laughs> the third group defense, um, not a lot of takeaways here. Justin Jacobs was that third group linebacker along with Devin Jackson. And that, that goes to Eric's point where you know, Popo Amavai isn't in any of these groups, guy coming off of a major injury. I think it's similar to Justin. I think that's a guy who, you know, coming off a season-ending injury last season in Iowa – Comes back, maybe he's 100%, maybe he's 85%, maybe he just they just want to see him get reps out there. Uh, and that's probably why he's with the third group. Uh, I think that this is going to be a good competition, though. Uh, it's a little was a little surprising to see him line up with the third group rather than the first or second. Um, I think that you know when he when he gets healthy, 100% healthy, this is a guy who's going to compete for a starting job, um, who whether it be alongside Bossa, for Bossa, alongside Brown or for Brown or whoever it is that uh, Tosh Lupoy and Dan Lanning come up with as a starting linebacker. I think he's going to be in there. Um, other than that, yeah, it's just kind of cool to see an all-freshman defensive line. Tatum Tuyota gets the the edge edge there. Um, Kamari Terrell, like Eric said, a guy we're all kind of high on. Um, I'm sure he, he's a guy who could work his way up, but uh, whether that be a cornerback or safety, I think that's yet to be known. That's uh, a guy who played both last season. Like Troikos Bridges seems to be doing both this season. Um, someone to certainly keep an eye for. But, yeah, not a, not a whole lot of takeaways. It's the third group of uh, of the first day of spring ball, or the first 11-on-11 uh, 11 11 portion of spring ball. I think it just shows to the credit – or not the credit, but the statement that Dan Lanning made, I think it was mm-hmm. Tuesday – when he said um, Oregon has more depth defensively than they do offensively. Um, And I think that was in regards to the offense and defensive lines, um, if I recall correctly. But I think that comment can be just said about both units entirely is there's just more bodies that are on scholarship right now on roster defensively than there are offensively. Um, we've got multiple walk-ons, I think with that second unit on the offensive side of the football or true freshmen, um, or actually both, uh, Charlie Pickard, um, 
Von Reams, and then a true freshman, Kenyon Sadiq. We also have um, George Silva, who's a newcomer as well with that second unit offensively. And then you look at the third unit and there are a lot of walk-ons mixed into that group. While defensively there aren't, um, I don't think there's a single one now that I'm looking it over again. Yeah. There's not a single walk-on now there is on the second team defense, but that's because, um, uh, or or what's the first group? Yeah. First group, JJ Greenfield, no, but he's not really a scholarship guy. Your normal scholarship not, player because he, yeah, he's not really a walk on guy either. Yeah, he's J- James made a good point of like, I'd love to talk to JJ about his story because it See, seems yeah, like what's it's going on here. one of the weirder ones where he was a scholarship guy, he disappeared for a year, he came back, he's not on scholarship, and now he's with the ones. Like, it's kind of a kind of a wild man. He, he played last year, albeit sparingly, but that's a guy who I don't know that would get reps over. Other true freshmen from a from a top ten class for Dan last season or top fifteen I should say so yeah it, it's a uh, he's he's a dude I, I I think he's a legitimate guy who could you know come in at that nickel safety position but continue Matt that's just I mean that was basically it is there's more depth defensively right now than there is offensively and I mean you guys brought up the portal portal opens Saturday like I I have a hard time seeing. Uh, if they do add people to the portal, which means you know even more players would have to leave, um, you know there's a focus that probably starts offensively than defensively, and that's not to say that there's there's holes that can't be filled defensively, but there's greater holes I think offensively, and they need the depth if they're going to add portal players. I think, and some of that also gets solved with freshmen showing up in June. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think Thursday illustrated the tight end problem pretty clearly. And it was a problem that we discussed for a long time. But just like if you take Terrence Ferguson out of the equation, you've got Patrick Herbert as your first team tight end and Kenyon Sadiq as your as your second. And as I think Jared was the first to bring it up, we've kind of all been in agreement for a while here since um, there was some so three, three, three players who were on scholarship at the position last year took off this offseason. They just don't have the bodies and um, – and, and, and that's a position to, to Matt's point about the portal coming up that like, I just think is, is imperative to, to find some help with. Um, they've added a couple of walk-on guys, like one of which I'm going to forget his first name, but last name is Brashears. Like he's like a division Travis. one. I think it's Travis. Travis he's like a, Brashears. He's I'm like a sure. division one body at tight end. I have no idea how. He's the he next moves. Tyler Naney. But he's like, he's like six six two fifty probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He could be bigger than that for all I know. And, 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 um, so like they added some size and some big walk-ons, but like these aren't scholarship players for a reason. So like they needed to go find some some help there. But um, you know we've kind of talked about some of the other positions. I just thought tight end in particular with Terrence not there for the day it was kind of like wow they're, they 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 do not have depth. And there is the only reason it's also important is like there's no Jaran Dickey in, in early enrollee coming in you know in a month or so. There's there's no help like there's no yeah there's no help on the way. So they need to I think they need to go find. A guy uh, just clearly. so you know, it's Travis Brashear. Mm-hmm. You are correct mm-hmm. in the first name. Uh, I'm pulling up his huddle, and this feels wrong because it's from 2019, but he went to university high school, and he's listed at quarterback on his huddle page. I think he went to a – he played college ball somewhere else. I, we're doing this live – on the podcast investigating this this walk on tight end who's I'm pretty sure he's he's not a freshman is he I think he's like a junior on the roster he's a freshman 
He is? He's a freshman. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was he Shepard. He went to Lawndale High School. Okay. So that's a different player than the one you were Yeah. That's a different player. Okay. I'm looking yeah. at his up because I wonder how big he is. Uh, anyway, but Brashears is big, big body. But regardless, the tight end <laughs> position. We've kind of like killed two minutes there just like trying to figure out who this person is. Um, so if you want to figure that out, maybe chime in, chime yes. in later. Um, I let's just, let's uh, take a quick break or unless okay. we have anything else left to do. The only thing I wanted to say was like if people had any questions of what we actually got to watch from results on the field perspective, the only thing that I thought was somewhat note worthy really was just that, that there were some center to quarterback exchange issues i.e mm -hmm. the centers had a hard time snapping the football consistently to the quarterbacks um and that's a thing that you really need to get worked out and this might transition to something we talked to talk about after the break with about a league terrier and some of the things he talked about with the, the offensive line the center position in particular but i i just thought that that was something to take away from not a huge thing by any means that, hey, day one, you're having snap problems, like with two guys who are, nobody, none of these guys have really played the position in, in, in games, but something to kind of just keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, and I, I got one more thing as well. Yeah. I do this, I do this often during the spring game um, where you have to kind of remind yourself that all of these guys on the field that are playing against each other are all on the same team. It's. Uh, I know it may sound really stupid and really uh, like rudimentary. Like, excuse my excuse my friends, but no shit, Jared. Of course, they're on the same team. But when you look at each individual team, you look at how they are as a group, or you look at each individual defensive grouping and say, well, you know, they're kind of struggling here. There's not a lot of guys there. Um, I do think like the, the the wide receiver position and the, and the tight end depth needs to be addressed either during the por portal or I don't know how else it would be. But so yeah, during the portal portal season, but. Yeah. You're going to get all these guys on the same team on the same field together at one point. So the depth is going to look better just from a like a fundamental standpoint when you're like, oh yeah, there's three wide receivers you can play on the field at the same time, and then they have like six behind them. It's still not enough, but it's better than you're like, oh shoot, like after six guys, and you're getting into the walk-ons, you're getting to the real weeds of the program. There, um, it will look better on paper and during a actual game, but until then. It will. It won't look great when you get into that third team and you see the the lack of depth offensively, or maybe just a, I don't know, a lack of talent around a specific position group. But these these players, they all play for Oregon. Ooh. It will be much different when they are all on one sideline and not on two. But I just I, I I like to bring that up because for some reason that always it, it fails to click in my brain for a while until I get to the spring game and say, oh, these, all these talented guys. Wow, shoot, they're on the same team. That's great. Love that. This is good for Oregon. They, they all play yeah, here. Yeah, this is great. They should do this more often. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss uh, some of the comments and insight we learned from offensive line coach Alik Terry. All right. Welcome back to the Yachts and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jerry Mack. Um, guys, Alik Terry spoke. Um, and I have to say, like, the best interviews on the team, typically, I feel like the last, I don't know, 15 years I've done this, have started with the offensive line. Um, it There's certainly guys that are at the top, but if you're going to pick a position group, 
um, that are you know consistently year in year out are the best interviews. I think the offensive line's up there, and Alik Terry, the offensive line coach, first time talking to him in a long time, um, maybe ever, and I I came away very impressed. Dude is he knows how to he knows how to praise his players at the same time not overhyping them which sometimes can can be the case with younger coaches right um and he was very i i just i came away very impressed with that conversation um eric did a transcript of it uh of his of his interview i think it was almost 15 minutes long we've got the whole video up as well on duckterritory.com um and he has the unique background of he recruited some of these guys to Oregon or was in the process of helping get these guys to Oregon, then left to go to the NFL. Um, or I think he had to stop at a college spot before that. Um, but Hawaii, I believe. Yes. He went to Hawaii and then went to the NFL and now has come back to Oregon. And it was just a very insightful interview. We learned about what his traits are. He's looking for linemen. We learned some insight into Josh Connerly. We we learned some insight into the center position. Um, quite honestly, this is a four, we're at forty minutes of this podcast. We could spend an entire show, I think, breaking down this bo- you know this interview if we really wanted to. It was that informative. Yeah, it was the longest I think I've spent transcribing one of these. It took me about ninety minutes because not only did it go for as Matt said, like fifteen minutes, maybe I think it was like twelve or fifteen, but it also went into some really deep technical terminology because he went there. Um, and, and that means I have to listen a little more closely because I want to make sure I get the words right because I might not have heard of that particular f- term or phrase before. Um, but like as Matt said, yeah, super impressive guy. Again, I think you have to remind yourself with some of these coaches, like a lot of the coaches we deal with now, I'm older than, which is still something I'm getting used to. And this is the youngest, I think, position coach I've probably ever interviewed because he's, what, 27 years old? Um, that's that's a young, young guy. and. Um, you know, to, to, to Matt's point, like super personable. I think we mentioned Will Stein when he introduced himself the other day, came around, shook everybody's hands. Alik was the same way, came up and dapped everybody up, introduced himself. Um, and to Matt's point, a lot, I think a lot of inf- interesting information was kind of shared in terms of what he's looking for. I think um, from a, if you want to get back to the technical thing here, I don't know if this is the most interesting thing, but it was something I know was a question for some because this is a guy who had worked with Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal, had spent some time at other places, had obviously played his college career at, at Wake Forest. Um, but he said he he what he will be using from a technical from a technique perspective primarily will be a, a similar technique to what you saw under Mario and Alex Mirabal, which is a double under technique. Um, it's talking about where your hands are placed. Um, so just be aware. I don't know if that really matters too much unless you're sitting here like really dialed into offensive line play, but um, this will be a closer approach to what you saw under because Clem came in and I think switched to uh, uh, kind of a different tighter hand placement in terms of where you're making contact inside hands, right? Yeah, inside hands. Yeah. So um, I heard inside hands and tight hands. So I'm trying to make sure I'm representing it correctly from from a, from a leak. But yeah, a little different. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a shift there. Um, but yeah, no, I think in general it was it was interesting to pick his brain. And another part I thought he said, which again goes into what we were just running through a moment ago, because yeah, um, you know, Matt asked about Harper at center. I asked about what uh, Stephen Jones and a Johnny Cornelius combination, why that was a good kind of pairing. And to both, he kind of said, hey, we're we're cross-training guys. We're just mixing and matching. We're trying to figure out what works best. So there's very much that sort of a mindset at play here. But 
also acknowledge like he thinks like Marcus Harper's shown some really nice moments at center and he thinks uh, th that right side of the offensive line works well because those are a couple of really big athletic guys so they might be mixing and matching but that doesn't necessarily mean they don't land upon the right combinations by doing so so um you know nothing is obviously set in stone but he made it pretty clear that there's kind of a lot to like but some of the some of the current setups in spring even though a lot of that is subject to change later that's surprised he's saying that there's a lot to like because i i agree i think there is a lot to like i did not interview Elite Terry. I was over interviewing Triquas Bridges when we had a wonderful exchange over there. But upon further review of the transcript, um, I, yeah, like Eric said, I thought it was a, uh, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was his desire for position flexibility, positional versatility, however you want to describe it. Um, that's a thing that has kind of, it, it's kind of strange. I feel like seven years ago, it wasn't really much of a thing, but now it's like everywhere and every coach wants to do it. And I don't know. It's all started with Mario and 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 Alex Mirabal and their uh, hockey line subs <laughs> for all their offensive linemen. Which I, you know, I don't. I don't uh, did anybody ask about that yesterday? No, but I I kind of wish I should. I we feel like we should have now, but no, we didn't. I don't. I don't. I can't. I can't anticipate that happening again. I I don't know. I've never seen it happen before, and I don't know if I'll ever see it happen again. Yes, Eric. Did well. Here's a question: Did Mario carry that with him to? To Miami last year, like I actually don't know. No, did Mar did Mar it, it didn't look like it. Like the, he had a, a like a six or seven guys who were the the clear snap count leader. Because I went to go check on uh, Jonathan Dennis and Logan Sagapulu, yeah, and those guys were way behind in the total snap count. But there was like six or seven guys who were clearly above the rest. So it doesn't seem like it. But hmm. anyways, uh, the positional versatility on the offensive line is always big. And, you know, the the thing with Marcus Harper and Jackson Powers Johnson is both those guys can play center. I know that Jackson Powers Johnson was brought here to be like the center of the future, but he's a guy who stepped in and played both guard positions last season. Marcus Harper is a guy who you would feel comfortable playing both guard positions. He's taken reps at center with Mario when Mario was the head coach here. Uh, he took reps at center during practice. He's a guy who has that positional versatility. Um, neither of them are physically great for a tackle spot but hey in a bind in a pinch i'm sure you could throw them out there and have some fun but but you have guys like george silva you have yeah. guys like johnny cornelius josh connerly stephen jones even these guys who i'm sure that they would most likely rather keep a tackle but have all had experience playing guard um have all had the all have the ability to play guard i think that's a really important thing for this offensive line um, there's clearly, again, like there's clearly certain guys you'd like to keep at a specific place, but, uh, teaching them, I think Alik mentioned, um, Calvin Throckmorton as a guy who had the most positional versatility and had yep. starts at every, every spot on the offensive line. Um, I'm not sure they'll have that this year, but that was a huge, uh, selling point. That was a huge thing at Oregon during Throckmorton's final season. Um, and it might not be as extreme this year. Because I think there are some guys who need to stay in specific spots, but it's going to be taught, and I think that's a huge thing for Oregon's O line. How many guys do you feel like out of Oregon we feel like should be cross trained because they're good enough to do that? Not necessarily, hey, I, these guys could do it, but how many feel like we I think, think should do it? I, I think JPJ Harper are the two for sure, guard and center between the two of them. Mm -hmm. I think are everybody, but. Josh Connerly, Johnny Cornelius, and George Silva. Yeah, I was going to ask, does cross-train mean 
tackle guard or are we talking right side left side because if we do if we're talking right side left side, i think everybody should be trained to play i, I think it's it's legit two different positions so okay. i'm going to count left guard right guard as the same position even okay. though it's different alignments i get that but no tackle the guard tackle the center guard the, the guard guard the center i know there's two for sure harper and jpj because i think there's a good chance that both could be on the first team um could be we'll see mm -hmm. yeah um i think stephen jones is maybe the only one at tackle that instantly pops in my head to say yeah he should go tackle guard and, and uh oh and, and we should know that like they're doing according to elite and of course we haven't seen this they're doing that and they call he called him grizz which took me a second i don't know why i didn't the, the nickname doesn't stick to me for some reason with stephen jones i need to know why his nickname is grizz because i just didn't because he's old he's the oldest vet grizzly no, vet grizzly vet is that what we're calling him? okay so he's grizz okay that's what i mean that's that would be my assumption that, I, yeah. I, that makes more sense than like i was like is it something referencing the type of bear like i don't i don't six, <laughs> six years senior yeah adds up but like he, he he did mention he's working at both guard and tackle that makes sense he's played there in his career um no, I don't think a lot. I mean, I, 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 Jared's point is a fair one in terms of the tackles. I think, like, how many times last year we talked about how few tackle bodies they have, and now they have a bunch of tackle bodies, and I'd like those tackle bodies to remain to playing tackles. offensive tackles. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, like, I, I'm in total agreement. I think I'd also include um, probably Michael Wooten would be a name, like, just because he's, I think, just a pretty clear tackle body. Yeah. He's, he's so mm -hmm. far down the depth chart that, like, we probably should be cross-training him a little bit at this point, but, like, He's someone who projects pretty clearly as a tackle. Like a Kavika Rogers is ar is already a guard tackle. Um, Ayapani um, is somebody who I've mentioned that uh, he's playing both guard and center. So I think they're doing it with a lot of the guys already. Um, but to, to to Jared's point, I think yeah, the, I, I think if if you've got the offensive tackle bodies, which Oregon didn't really have the last couple of years, I'd like those guys to remain tackles. And I think Oregon legitimately has four or five guys that you look at and go like, those are definitively offensive tackles and it's kind of a nice situation to be who's, in was who's the fifth guy i was i was probably including michael wooten in there just because i did I oh think so you're are you including jones in there uh let's let's run through the exercise to, to to hold myself accountable silva connerly uh cornelius wooten so yeah four guys for sure and i guess the fifth guy would maybe be feope um, but that's just because he is the backup left tackle right now. Um, I like the way he's trimmed his body down. I would have told mm -hmm. you in, in the past he was more guard because he was a little bit like, – I just didn't think he was explosive enough or athletic enough. But I just – I think I think there's a shift there a little bit with Feope that I'm kind of encouraged by. So I'd include him in there even though, like, I could see someone being like it would like he's more of a guard physically, but I think he's a humongous human being and, like, some of those traits from that size are starting to come together in a way that like is kind of encouraging based upon me watching him literally get out of his stance and, and move and like push somebody holding a, a you know a heavy bag like it's not like i'm seeing a ton here but that that, that would be the other guy to throw in there i guess um let's talk connerly for a second here i thought so leak was around Pinay. And I think, are we all in agreement? Panay is by far the best tackle prospect, best lineman prospect to come through Oregon, at least yeah. in our careers of covering Oregon football. I don't um, know who else it would be. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of who a real 
strong competitor would be because he was a top pick and then has been a very good NFL player. And are, it's also the school's only, I think, uh, out, uh, Outland Trophy winner. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably hard to argue with. So we're not, we're not we're not saying outlandish things when Sewell is basically the best offensive lineman in modern football. Basically, let's just say the start of the of the two thousands. Um, he didn't ever really compare him to Sewell. But he definitely threw out the, hey, if Josh Connolly continues to, to do what he's been doing, he's got the chance. And this is where I really liked about Terry. He, like, he didn't come out and say, hey, he's going to be the next tool. He basically said, though, like, if he continues to work hard, he said he's the hardest working player in the, in the group. He's there very early in the mornings you know, before everybody else. Um, he's, got the, he's got the work ethic. He's got the physical attributes. Uh, and he's still got the um, ceiling to and the potential to become some up as good of a player as as Oregon's had, you know, run through that group of the offensive line. I, I thought from a guy that's coached and recruited Panay Sewell to come out here and say that about Josh Connolly, a guy that we were talking like, what are we going to talk to Josh Connolly about ahead of time? Because he played last year, but he didn't really play a ton and. You know, he had some moments, but do fans really care about a touchdown pass he caught at Colorado in November when it's April? Um, he was very high and said that I think the, the craziest stat was or the comment was um, Alik Terry compared Josh Connolly's, I guess, footwork to that of a defensive back. And someone that's six foot six and 300 pounds or whatever he is. Um, he was very glowingly supportive of Josh Conley, which he should be, but just the, the lengths that he went, I, I thought was pretty eye-popping. Eye the elevator pitches, Josh Connerly is a safety linebacker in terms of his athleticism and footwork with the power of an offensive lineman from Malik Terry. I think everybody's going to sign up for that. That sounds pretty good. Yes. Um, and then when you bring up the fact that he's – According to Alik, also the hardest worker in the room, and and you know the first guy there, the first guy to leave, or last guy to leave, I should say. And we should know he was like significantly the last person coming off the. I think he might have been like one of the last people to leave the practice field because he was certainly the last person we spoke to um, by by a handful of minutes. But yeah, no, I, I think it's a player who, you know, one of the school's highest rated recruits of all time, a player with a ton of anticipation and excitement. But you know, a year ago. I don't think it's his fault. Joins a group where there's a ton of returners, a lot of experienced guys. I think it's a lot to ask a, a teenager to come in and beat out the players who have NFL futures who've already had two to three years starting and didn't play a huge role. So you don't really kind of know exactly what you've you've got there. I think everybody had heard positive things from what you'd seen in practice. And when it was on the field, it wasn't like it was a mess. But to, to hear some, to, you know, some constructive, some positive kind of feedback on him from a new position coach like that, I think it kind of stood out to me. Um, I know one other thing that I think we should mention is a kind of nugget Jared unrested, I guess, from uh, from Triquez about where he's working at positionally, just because I thought that was, I don't know, maybe maybe not super interesting, but kind of notable that Triquez is still working at safety, even though I think we've all kind of got him. I have him in pen written in as a starting corner, probably. But I mean, maybe don't I don't blame you. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, I don't know. Uh we talked to Triquez. It was it was Jared Denny, Yvonne Three, and I, uh, and a little bit of Rob Mosley there. Triquez, great guy, great dude. I, I misspoke and said that he was playing linebacker. He quickly corrected me and kind of laughed in my face. So that was a good time. Um, 
but yeah, no, he's said that he's splitting a majority of his reps. It seemed like a 50-50 between cornerback and safety. Um, this is not overly similar to last season because it felt like Triquez was strictly a safety during last spring ball, or at least that's the, where we saw him line up the most. True. Obviously, we do not get to watch all of practice. Um, this year, he's lined up the most at cornerback or in cornerback-related positional drills. And but he's allegedly playing both safety and cornerback. Um, he has no problem doing either or. Uh, he says he probably he prefers the positional flexibility or versatility, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mostly because uh, when he plans on going to the league, he'll have the option to say like, "Hey, I've done both at college and I've done both yeah. at a high level." Cool. We've never seen Triquez play safety on the football field during an actual game in the in a University of Oregon uniform. He's only played cornerback in 2021 and 2022. He's only played cornerback. He played over 700 reps at cornerback last season. My inclination is that this, my friends, is a cornerback. However, there's a there's a part of me that I have been on. I've talked about on this podcast many a times before. There's a part of me that believes that if he moves to safety, he could be the best safety on the team, bar none, not even close. Really. Yeah, because this is a six foot three, two hundred pound cornerback who has over a seven foot wingspan, who tracks, who covers well in man coverage. I know there's a couple people in the comment section who are going to say he sunk last year. Rewatch the tape outside of BYU. Uh, outside of BYU, he was very good. Did not allow a touchdown in coverage over the final five games of the season, which included Oregon State, Washington, and Utah. This was a good cover corner last season for Oregon, yes. but. Put that into a safety body. We, it's a guy who hits well, a guy who covers ground. So I, I'm all in. And the, the only issue is that the same thing that Oregon has faced the last three seasons, where it's been a Triquiz Bridges versus Dante Manning, who's going to start as we head into spring game. Um, Oregon doesn't have another option here, and that's probably why Triquiz Bridges is going to start at cornerback this season, unless Kyrie Jackson is the clear number one, and Jaleel Florent or Dante Manning is. Uh, comparable to how Jarquez Bridges plays at, at cornerback, and then maybe Dan and company will move him to safety. But I don't see that happening, so my dreams of Jarquez being the starting safety are probably DOA, dead on arrival. Um, would you guys like to hear who he picked as his basketball team? Can, can we say – oh, yeah, go, let's hit that. I had, I had a couple thoughts on this, but, yeah, I actually would love to hear who he has on his basketball go, team. Go for the thoughts. We'll end the show on uh, the basketball team. Okay, yeah, because it's probably a little lighter. No, my, my, my thought here was my thought here was like Quez might be your best corner and your best safety. It probably is right yeah. now. And that's kind of a weird spot to be in. And my guess is they're really trying to weigh what the replacement level player is at those other spots right now. Of like who where right. are we gonna have a bigger hole? If Quez plays corner, are we gonna have a bigger are we okay at safety? If Quez plays safety, are we gonna be okay at corner? And they're going to make some determination on that, obviously, in the future, but that they're kind of right now wanting to make sure he's ready to do either one because they know he's, I mean, he's right now pretty clearly their top corner, at least their top returner. Kyrie's been kind of in and out of practice, so it's hard to know what his development is. The other guys are young. I think you can kind of feel pretty comfortable saying he's your top corner right now. And safety, as Jared laid out, I don't have really anything to argue with. Like, he has all the traits. He has a background. He was a safety in high school in Alabama, I think stat that everybody knows he had the most i think interceptions or tied when he finished his career i don't know if anybody surpassed him but the most interceptions in the, in the state's history um playing safety so very much an accomplished player there most pick I, sixes 
was it bonus pick sixes? I thought it was, was it both? Just pick sixes. Okay. Um, I knew he, I mean, I knew he's a storied player um, at that position. So it'll be very interesting to kind of see, I think, over the course of this this spring and then going into fall of kind of like what develops at the other positions and where do they end up putting him in. I'm with Jared that my guest and I probably everybody else listening agrees is like they'll probably end up at corner because that's where he's played. Um, and he's played again, I think, at a pretty high level. But I think the door is cracked a little open for him to play at safety if if the development at corner takes place around him. Like, hey, maybe both the Jaleels take a huge step. Kyrie takes a step. Dante Manning right. finally becomes the guy we thought he could be. And and one of these one or two of these four star, you know, true freshman corners that are coming in. Um, you know, later, or I guess Cole Martin's case, who are already here, really develops and steps up. And you go, okay, actually, we can cut him loose and let him play safety. But that seems like you're asking a lot of guys to take big steps forward, and that maybe is too much to ask. I mean, imagine a safety rotation to start the season at Tyshoom Johnson at Nickel, Evan Williams, and Triquez Bridges. Sounds pretty good to me. I think the only comment I would have um, – I'm intrigued by Triquez playing safety. He was phenomenal at that in Alabama. I think he holds like the state record for interceptions or something um, in, the, in the state. Is, is that the right name or is there another player? Yeah, yeah, we, I, we, we just went over this like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> that went right over my head. <laughs> we just had this debate. It's, a, it, yeah. it's pick sixes. Yeah, Jared corrected yes. me. It's pick six. I thought like I, I said seventeen or something like that. Yeah, I said the yeah. exact same thing, Matt, of like the most interceptions, and Jared said pick sixes. And then you said the same thing, and then that's why Jared was. I think left. I got distracted because I was looking at the time and trying to figure out my editing time of when did we take the break, and right. I missed that entire conversation. Okay. That's already been said. That's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, I think the only thing I would have with that though is. Um, I don't think it happens. I think he's the best, one of the better corners on the team. And I'm happy that Jared earlier said that people have this idea that he wasn't good last season. And maybe he wasn't good for one game, like the BYU game, which Jared referenced. Um, but he's actually a good cornerback. And there's this notion that he's terrible. And I'm, that would be a very big move. I, and that would have to mean that your younger guys are significantly better than they were the year before because he's one of, if not your best corner on the roster. It Right now, at, at, at April 14th. Yeah. Hit me with the basketball Bas team. Basketball time? Yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a new listener to the podcast, last season when – there just wasn't enough questions to ask players or coaches. Um, we would ask them who would be their the best basketball team on the Oregon roster. And, you know, we had heard some, I don't know, some rumblings about who was really good. But, you know, we would ask guys. So I've, we've started this tradition again this season. I asked Drakewes Bridges uh, yesterday. Uh, first pick was himself. Uh, he said that he is a Magic Johnson type player, a facilitator, a guy who can is just reliable, someone who can go get a bucket if they need him. Um, which, you know, Super I'd have awesome. to see it. I'd, I'd like to see it. Super um, humble too. You know, Super I, just like very, I like the confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Comparing yourself the, to like the fourth or fifth best player of all time in the NBA. That's well, I mean, I, I would, I would call Dana cause again, <laughs> six foot three dude with a seven foot wingspan. I, yeah, that would work on the basketball court too. Uh, then he picked Kyrie Jackson as Ooh. his, uh, his second overall pick. Um, 
interesting one. He said Kyrie, and for a second in my brain, I'm like, Ky- Kyrie Irving? Like, of course. <laughs> he's, yeah, jo- he's leaving he's Dallas. Like, he's joining the Ducks. Yeah, I'm like, of course. That's not a trade the Ducks want to make. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's not. Uh, and he's like, I'm like, oh, 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 Kyrie Jackson. That's right. There's there's two Kyries on this team. Um, so that was a good pick. He said that uh, just a good shooter. He's hooped with him many a times this offseason, so he's, he's just a good player. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, who was a resounding pick from last year. I'm sure you guys remember him. Um, he's like a, was, like unanimous almost. Yeah, he was one of like yeah, just one of the one of the best players on the team allegedly. So he's going to be filling in that small forward for them. Uh, big big T Ferg at six six, uh, and then uh, Bo Nix as the starting point guard, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he there was said a that video Bo's... of Bo Nix out there hooping it up with Ty Thompson uh, on mm. social media. They shared it like. A week and a half ago. Excellent. Nice stroke. Yeah, no, uh, that's exactly what Bridges said. He said that he's a good shooter. Just don't let him dribble. Um, so he's going to be the Seth Curry equivalent, not the Steph, the Seth Curry equivalent, the Fernand Corkmans. And he's, um, uh, and he's playing point guard, apparently, according to the class. He can't dribble? we got to ask well, Mo this, this question. This might be, a, this might be an off-ball kind of guy. You he's know, Steve Kerr kind of spotting up in the corner. Old school, right? Exactly. He's like uh, I don't know whoever's playing off ball with Luka Doncic because you're not dribb- you're not going to get the basketball from him. Um, lastly, the center of the group, uh, Matteo Uyunglele, oh. uh, which was a surprise choice. I still I, I brought I think I brought this up either to to Denny or to you guys afterwards, but no one has picked Josh Connerly Jr. to be. I was center. just going to bring this up, and I don't. He has a scholarship uh, offer from Oregon to play at Oregon. Uh, you know, you I know. mean, it was a, to help entice. It was a, here, it was but... a, it was a promotional thing, right? But yes. he's still, he was still a good basketball player. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, he went with Mateo because he's, uh, he, he was really, really, really athletic, is what he kept telling me. Um, and he's someone who he doesn't know if he's any good at basketball, but he wants him on the court because he's probably <laughs> going to be faster and stronger and jump higher than everybody else. So I thought that was interesting. But again, the the no Connerly thing. I don't understand. Connerly was like all league in like in like the toughest a part good of good league Seattle. in Seattle. Like in right, yeah. like it's like he was like one of the you best know, he, players on a state champion team. It's like you know, we don't want him. I love it. He was good. <laughs> yeah, no, he was genuinely good and he's you know, good footwork. Could probably still play basketball if he wanted to. Um, I don't get it. He, I mean, dunk, like, he said he can't dunk now because of his height or because of his weight. He, was, he said he wasn't sure. We need to make sure. I'm okay he, with him not trying to dunk. I'm I, good. Think that's, Just, I think uh, that's cool. Stay. I'm all right with that. And, I, and I'll also say I was a little bit like – I know you mentioned uh, it sounds like Bo and Ty are getting some hoops in. Josh did say you might see him at the wreck every now and then. Is that – I don't want to go on this tangent. Are we excited by the, the prospect of like Josh Connerly maybe – going in for a dunk in a rec league game and smashing into somebody and hurting himself. I just kind of was like, I don't really want to think about that. But at the same time, I understand. Let's let's let them have fun and play basketball. But I don't know. Just like, it would be bad. No, I want to see a full-on game here. I, I want... Okay. Yeah. It's setting up that way. And June, when they're when that two-week period when they're not in school and they're not training or anything, give me a give me a five-on-five run at the rec league i mean josh even said you'll find me at the rec league if you want to play me find me yeah i'll be done we gotta get we gotta get dan to, to okay it it'll be very difficult i mean remember when willie taggart came out during like a halftime show at a basketball game and, and they all that played was basketball absolutely atrocious that was i mean no no nobody was good on that court but the the, well, the thought was... of somebody jumping and tearing something was 
well within my mind at that point. Wasn't that when Justin Herbert like swatted the crap out of Willie? Or was that was that a different was that Mario? I, I think no it was idea. Patrick. I thought it was Justin who blocked one of the coaches. I'm sorry, maybe I'm misrepresenting it. I was there and I remember being like, oh wow, like that. Well, I remember a Herbert doing something, but I was I would be shocked if and Herbert Taggart threw the franchise out at on the basketball court, like Jared said, but then Taggart made a bunch of stupid decisions. So I was going to say, you'd happen. be surprised. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised with him get, putting his quarterback in a position to get hurt. Did you not remember what season? It was the precursor. We all should have known. Yeah. Anyway, we've gone way too much on this. Probably, I don't know. That's fun. I don't know. I, I could do I, a full. Maybe I we need could, to ask this more often. We could do a full I, episode. I think it. we need like a spreadsheet with all of the starting fives and we do some sort of like all NBA compare like, the equivalent of an all NBA team of like the all Oregon team. Yeah. Like, get attach some votes some scores and we'll come together. I should do, who, who I should do like a, a feature piece on this. Really get into the, get, the grind of who, who's going to be the starting five. Get in on it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of the odds and Audible's podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show especially the end um we <laughs> embarrassed ourselves or i embarrassed myself uh we talked basketball on a football podcast about football players playing basketball and hopefully you guys left more informed than when you arrived maybe not and if you didn't maybe it was entertaining who cares uh until the next one which will be on monday uh, after oregon spring scrimmage their first spring scrimmage of the year a dan landing interview will happen on saturday uh, we'll have plenty to talk about on that Monday podcast. Plus, maybe a mailbag. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We 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 may we may do both. We may mix it up because of Dan Lanning speaking and scrimmage, whatnot. We'll have you. We'll figure it out. Until then, though, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.